<clears throat> I don't like to, um, you know, be the bearer of difficult news. Um, I don't know how many of you know that um, longtime <clears throat> member of our congregation, Gene Faust, passed away uh, Friday morning. Um, from a, about a six-month battle with cancer. Um, her funeral will be here uh, 1 o'clock this coming Tuesday. So uh, there will be Monday night, there will be um, 4 to 7 visitation at Gillette Memorial Chapel. Second, um, just a prayer reminder, um, we have both um, Betty uh, and Jack Gazzolo are hospitalized with coronavirus. Um, Jack here in town, Betty and Casper. Um, so remember them. Um, these, are, I, these are difficult days um, to try to keep track of the flock. Um, I can't get in to see um, anybody in the hospital. I can't get in to see anybody at Legacy. Um, and, I mean, I can get into the jail probably easier. I can, you know. I can get into the jail easier than I can get in the hospital. Um, so I, I do ask for your indulgence, and I think I have it, and your understanding um, there are so many of us, I, I think somewhere in the neighborhood of a third of our congregation is probably watching online, uh, either live streaming or um, later in the day or the week when we post um, the services. And in some cases, it's been four or five months since, since I have physically seen some of my flock. Um, please know I haven't forgotten about you. Um, we have been um, here in the office and just in, in the pastoral staff. A time of busyness I've never seen as far as sickness and just stuff. And so um, if we don't immediately or if we don't seem to regularly keep in touch with those of you that can't be here, we haven't forgotten about you. Um, so anyway... Um, hopefully we'll get on the other side of this. I would say this. I want to thank everyone, too, um, for your faithfulness in um, giving our budget. Um, our income has, has barely been impacted at all with all that's going on. So we're very grateful, very grateful for that. And so hopefully... Um, well, like we've all heard, November 3rd, the coronavirus will be over. So, or no, 4th, right? <clears throat> anyway, we've been looking at the subject, big subject, um, everywhere subject of grace. And I want to conclude that today, um, looking at grace, God's grace, that he gives us as believers in a difficult world. 
God made this world and put us in it to expect and to enjoy no trouble. Peace, joy, sinlessness, no death, no disease, no trouble, no, no natural disasters, nothing. And I am convinced that somehow that created purpose for us and the environment he made for us is embedded in our hearts as an expectation. And it's never fulfilled here. It will be in heaven. But I think that because um, it, there's a little phrase in Ecclesiastes. It says God has put eternity in our hearts. We have a consciousness of more than just here. Uh, we can't shake that. It's part of what God created in us. And along with that is a desire for, I think in a sense, a desire for perfection. Um, it is alien to us to get sick. It is, um, we, we don't want to get sick. And we, we can't figure out why, no matter how old we are, that we have um, aches and pains and can't do things we used to do. And we're, we're, this is hostile to us. The truth of the matter is, we, we polluted, we destroyed the world God made for us because of sin. But we still have to live in it. And it's a bit of God's judgment to say, you know, this is, you wrecked your house, this is where you're going to have to live. But grace comes along and says, in spite of your fault, what you've done, in spite of that, I love you, I haven't quit on you, I have a home in heaven for you if you will allow me to redeem you. And in the meantime, even if you don't love me or obey me ever, I'm still going to support you, give you help, life, give you grace. I will love you whether you love me back or not. And I will care for you. And I will mitigate, I'll minimize the harsh reality of what this world is. That grace that God gives us is really empowerment. It is enablement. It's strength when we have none. One of the things I've faced in looking how many ever weeks um, we've been looking at the doctrine of grace in the Bible, it so permeates every place in the Scripture that it's hard to know where to go for a text or where to, what passage to read. Um, this isn't going to cover it very well, but it's the best that um, I can do to winnow it down. Second Corinthians, the 12th chapter. Um, Second Corinthians 12, if I summarize Second Corinthians, the first letter to the Corinthians, of course, dealt with all the problems in the church, and he had a bunch of them to deal with there. The second one, they had basically responded very well to letter one, which was a 
pretty harsh condemnation. And um, Paul commends them for the fact that they, they took his rebuke to heart and they made adjustments and repentance and changes that he told them to do. Um, but the problems weren't over yet. He still had a number of people that um, questioned he, his leadership, questioned whether he was an apostle. Um, and so he addresses to some degree some of those people. And he talks about some of the things he has endured in the ministry. And he mentioned, I've been beaten five times. I've been shipwrecked three times. At night and the day have I been adrift on um, wreckage, you know, piece of wood um, in the sea. He said, I have been sleepless. I have been without food. I've been without sufficient clothing. I have been without any place to spend the night, and I have been constantly attacked for um, my faith. He said, I've been pressed almost beyond measure, which is a phrase he used. Second Corinthians speaks a lot about all that Paul went through. I broke a shoelace this morning. And I thought it was going to make me late. Now I'm going to have to eventually go to the Velcro stuff anyway. You know what I mean? Um, you get to a certain age, you go to Velcro sh uh, closers. Um, and my thought was, you know, I'm, I'm, I've had a, you know, one of these mornings where it seems like nothing kind of goes right. You're running late. And I thought, I don't need this, you know. Now, I didn't go too far off the... Because I thought, I, I said, in fact, I think we talk to God like a person. I said, Lord, I've just been reading this morning about Paul and all he went through and the beatings and the shipwrecks and, the, and finally beheading. He didn't write about that. <clears throat> but he did write that he knew it was coming. And he faced it knowing God would go through it with him, carry him through. But I said, you know... Paul's got nothing on me because I'm running late and I broke a few lace. I mean, I know what it's like to have it rough. Comparatively, that's a lot of the things we deal with. You know, the air conditioner broke in the car. <laughs> we could multiply, multiply it. Um, but God's grace is available to us, granted to us, no matter what we're facing. And so there's, in this short passage I'm going to read, um, we don't know, there's been a lot of speculation what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. There was some physical ailment he had. Now Paul believed that it was, a, it was unsettling to him, it was a nuisance to him, and to some degree Paul was convinced that it affected his ministry. It hindered his ministry. I could do, I could reach more people, I could be maybe more persuasive. Again, we don't know what it was. But whatever it was, Paul was sure, Lord, if you would free me from this, if you'd, if you'd take this away from me, I could be a better servant to you. I could accomplish more. And so he makes his case here with the Lord in the second, or the um, 2 Corinthians 12, beginning in the 7th verse. 
because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. Okay? What in the world's that? All of the revelations that God had given to Paul personally, directly, we know, of course, as res- those revelations are the New Testament. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And so he was a, as God called him, a chosen vessel. With it came opposition and difficulty. But Paul knew, because of the surpassing revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, the Greek word here is buffet, or older versions say buffet, but it means continual uh, short jabbing punches as you would have in a boxing match. That I, I can't get away from it. I can't get a break. It's just punching, punch, punch, punch. It torments me for the reason to keep me from exalting myself. Twice he says, I know why God's given it to me, to humble me and keep me humble, lest I be exalted with all that God's revealed to me to reveal to you. Concerning this, I implored, here again, implored, it's not a bad word, but the Greek word here is to beg and it's the most abject begging. It's, it's hand-wringing, weeping, begging is the word. I begged the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For power, my power, God's power, is perfected in weakness. It shines greatest when we're the weakest. People then can say, how can you endure this? How can you go through this? How can you bear up? And we're able to give credit to God who alone strengthens us. My grace is sufficient. Power is perfected in weakness. Most Gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, there are three, I think, overlapping but main areas where God gives his people grace. There's grace for serving the Lord in whatever capacity he calls me according to what gifts he wants me to exercise for him. There is grace, I want to call it, for sojourning life. Just life. Aside from serving God, just life deals us almost daily um, hindrances. One phone call changes our whole day. 
we're happy, something comes along, and we're brokenhearted. Life, and here we live in a country of affluence where a lot, we're shielded from a lot of the things that the rest of the world deals with. Generally, we're not dealing with what am I going to eat today? Can I gather enough twigs to have a little fire and warm myself and my family and cook some minor little thing to get us through the day and then it's subsistence living and the vast majority of the world lives like this. We don't know anything about it. We know nothing about it. So we're shielded from a lot. But even in our lives, there are, in just living, there are things. Um, there's stuff. You leave home, you know, and your, your coffee falls in the, you know, out of the cup holder, and you lean over and you hit a parked car. Um, and now you've got the insurance and you've got deductibles and you've got, yeah. and what do we say? I didn't need this. But you got it. <laughs> and it'll probably something else tomorrow. Sojourning, just going through as pilgrims through this world, we always encounter things that require grace. God's got to help us and give us um, strength to go through it. And then finally, and these overlap, grace for suffering. Now I know suffering is a relative term. I was thinking um, a couple of days ago, of, I, I don't know what I was doing. I was in the garage doing something. But I was thinking about all the people that are sick and all the, you know, in the congregation, the people can't get a hold of. And just, it was driving me nuts. And, you know, I thought, Lord, I've got to have a break here. I mean, I've got to get some kind of strength so that I can keep track of everything. I just feel like I'm overwhelmed. And I didn't think that God had somehow forgotten me or whatever, lost my social security number. Um, but the temptation, I think, for all of us to um, maybe walk too close to the cliff edge of self-pity or, I got it, you know, I got it rough. <clears throat> Something came to my mind number of years ago, well, two, three, four years ago, there was a um, special, some kind of documentary, I think, and it was on what it, it, they called, the, called them the Lost Boys. And it was over in Sudan, I think, and sub-Sahara refugees. And there was a group of about 40 young, fairly young kids, up to maybe late teens. And they brought them to America. They were able to uh, immigrate, and they brought them here. And most of them came from um, Christian backgrounds. Um, they were in missionary, missionaries had evangelized and they'd gone to those kinds of schools. And they called them the lost boys because they were just forgotten. They had no parents. They were or, all of them were orphans. And it showed them getting on finally after years of efforts to get them out of there and get them over here, 
getting onto a plane. Every one of them was, every one of them had a plastic bag and it was about the size of, you know, a, a Walmart bag, an Albertsons bag. And every single thing they owned in the world was in that little bag. That was their portfolio. That was their 401k. That was their cars. That was their home, their furniture. That's all I had. That's all I had. And cameras were on them, and they spoke good English. Um, and a reporter asked one of them um, about what he felt and so forth. Um, and at the end of his short answer, standing there with the wind from the engines and that bag kind of rattling, everything he had to his name and he just said they call us the forgotten boys the biggest smile broke out in his face and he said people forgot us but he said God didn't and I was in the garage thinking about what was driving me crazy and what I needed to get a break on and I thought, you know, I look around, I got drills, I've got tools, I've got more than one car. And I remembered that kid with a little bag. God didn't forgive me. God didn't forgive me at all. What an attitude and what, what a sense of just, you know, I felt, my garage isn't clean enough to kneel down on it. But I thought, you know, I ought to get out on my knees here and thank God for what I've got and never complain again. We go through, we think, hard things, and we do. We go through death. We go through great disappointment. We go through all that this world can throw at us. <clears throat> but God said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And here's what I will do. There's an old hymn. I meant to get the words and read it at the close of the service today, uh, this service, and then 10 o'clock. And because I have 8,000 things on my mind, I forgot it. Um, but... A fair number of people probably know it. He giveth more grace as the burden grows greater. <clears throat> he giveth more strength as the labors increase. Goes on and talks about how his power and mercy and grace are limitless. And no matter how much I need, I have it. He gives us uh, power. He gives us Ability, he gives us strength to go through things we didn't think we could face. And without him, we can't. And let me say just a couple things here about um, how God gives us 
sufficient grace. And sufficient means it is, it's to the brim of whatever cup I have. It's what I need. Usually God doesn't give us vast amounts more, but he gives me what I need. Every day gives me grace. Every day. He gives me grace enough, and he gives it on time. I think, um, we have to remember we have a devil who uh, batters us as we walk through this world and will accuse us. And I can't tell you the number of people who will read a story. Have you ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs? Probably not, but a few may have. Man, alive, that'll... If if you're feeling really good and you don't like that, you want to feel worse, read that book. It'll, It'll... It'll send you uh, down into the depths. And you read that, and I think, man, Lord, I could never go through that. I don't know what I do to watch, watch them execute your children in front of you for being a Christian. You think, my goodness, what? How? I don't have the grace. I know I don't have the grace to go through that. But there's a reason I don't have the grace to go through that. Because I'm not facing that right now doesn't mean I don't have any religion. doesn't mean I don't trust God. Could you go through that? People go, I don't think. And then, then they think, I don't have any religion at all. It's not true. I have the grace for what I'm facing at that moment. And he will give it. Never fails. Now, he gives us enough Whatever enough means, he gives it to us. And he gives it to us when we need it. Not early, but he's never late. But there are some conditions. This we learn. I want you to notice from what Paul said here. He said he was tormented by whatever this physical ailment was. He considered it straight from the devil. It was such torment to him. And it drove him to, as I mentioned, the word, he begged God three times. Okay? Now, I want you to think about that. Apparently, three times. Jesus quietly, calmly, lovingly said, Paul, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to give you the grace to put up with it and the grace to triumph over it, but I'm not going to free you from it. Okay? I don't believe this tells us that he prayed three times and only on the third time he heard no. He brought it up again. You see what I mean? I think he begged God, and Jesus said, No, my grace is sufficient. I don't know how long he went. And it got to him again, and he said, Man, Lord, I've got to have a break here. And so he set himself to pray, uh, special, probably fasted, and prayed, God, help me here. Second time, my grace is sufficient. Well, he brought it up again. (laughs) 
I don't think God, now he, listen, we know this. God doesn't put up with, uh, I was thinking of this this morning, most of us, if we're normal, um, bratty kids really send me off the deep end, okay? Um, you know, mouthy little boy, I, I don't have enough grace for that, okay? What does God think? When he's poured out all kinds of blessings on us, died for us, and then we get snippy with him. You understand? He didn't like that. But he doesn't mind us, I believe, even like Paul, bringing it up three times. And, Lord, because his attitude was not contrary, demanding. It was, please, could I bring this up again? Now Moses brought up going into the promised land, which God told him, I'm not letting you get in because you know you blew up at the people and struck the rock twice that I told you just talk to. And it would bring water. He said, okay, you're not going to go into the promised land. And I, it was the third time, I believe, Moses brought it up and God just said to him, don't talk to me about it again. <laughs> That's enough. Now, if he'd have brought it up a fourth time, that wouldn't have been good. But, Paul brings this up three times, and three times it took him to settle it. You know, if, if he said the same thing to me, my grace is sufficient, then notice the shift. He's begging God to deliver him from this. Once it sinks in with him, my grace is sufficient, you're better off, and I think somehow to here too, God clearly told him, Paul, this is for your own good. This will keep you from getting exalted and proud and lifted up and lose your soul. So it tells us much of what God may allow to come into our pathway that we would never want. There's a, there's a reason he's saying, listen, um, you may not know now, Paul did, but I think most of the time we don't know. But there's a reason here in God's great wisdom and his love for us and his chief aim I want you to land safe in heaven so this will help to keep you on the path Francis Asbury who was sent over here at 21 by John Wesley to spread Methodism to the United States he came over before the Revolutionary War and knew when he left, he said, I will see my sainted parents no more. And they saw him off onto a ship, and he, and he you didn't go back and forth um, from here to England. Never saw them again. And lived a hard life. But going over here, coming on the ship at 21, he wrote in his journal about how the troubles he knew he was facing here would be, he said, winds to waft his boat closer to heaven's shore. And I read that, and I'm thinking, I don't look at trouble like that. Do you? Maybe you're... 
Maybe all you are saints and I'm not. I don't, I think trouble, I tell you, why in the world can't we get this fixed? Why? Are you? And he, at 21, he's saying, I know I'm going to face trouble, but I'll, I'll look at the troubles as puffs of wind that'll blow my little sailboat closer to heaven. Now that's one reason why the Methodists tore up the world. They had heart religion. They meant it. The conditions then for us to have this grace are the ones we see with Paul. After begging God then he said, most gladly, not grumpily, not grudgingly, not, well, okay. He said, most gladly, I will rather boast, and he means not himself, but I will rather boast in what God's grace and strength is that he's given me in my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, here's, look at this word again, I am well content. This is the same guy that was begging God. He said, I'm very content with insults, distresses, persecutions, difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. There are two things then for us to receive the kind of grace that enables us to get through all the difficulties life throws at us and keep... Um, a balance and not get off into victimhood and get off into self-pity and get our eyes off of God. Number one is submission to what our circumstances are. Now that doesn't mean, understand me here, that doesn't mean when someone calls with bad news or whatever happens, or you, you know, un, with no anticipation, you're summoned to the office and you're in a layoff. Man, I'm glad for that. Praise God. You're weird. <laughs> That's not religion. That's nuts it's normal to say oh it's the aftermath where we get back up on our feet we're, we're hit um, we're you know we're out of left field we don't know what in the world but our first recourse should be okay God now look I, I'm surprised by this but you're not you knew it. You've known it for 10,000 years. So Lord, I don't know what in the world I'm going to do. I don't know which way this is going. I, I don't know. But I know that you're not chewing your fingernails. I might be. <laughs> but you aren't. You love me. You promised to never leave us or forsake us. I don't know what to do, Lord. But it's like King Jehoshaphat. Million man army coming at him, 
said, There's, we don't have any power against this group at all. Nothing we can even do. He said, but Lord, our eyes are on you. We'll, we'll, we'll look to you. You're bigger than a million-man army. You're bigger than whatever it is I'm facing. And nothing catches him off guard. He's already ready for it. He's already prepared. He knows what he's going to do, whether I do or not. So there is the reconciliation in my own heart to say, Lord, obviously I wouldn't choose this. I didn't know it was coming. I'm shocked beyond. But you don't let anything come to us that you choose not to come to us. So you had to inspect this before it got to me. So Lord, you knew about it. I will trust you. I will acquiesce to it. I will submit myself to it. And by your grace, I'll be okay with it. And I'll trust you. Then, and only then, I think every one of us probably know this personally. Only then do you get that sense of peace, strength, uplift, comfort, consolation, sense of God's presence. I know he's here. He will carry me through this. I wish I could avoid it. But by the grace of God, I'll get through it. Without submission as to my Father in heaven and faith that he knows good, he knows right, he's infinitely wise, doesn't do cruel things to his people, don't care what the circumstances might look like. So submission and faith, then I have the grace that I need. Without submission and faith, you'll do it by yourself. Which means you won't do it. You know what I mean? We, we, we don't make it through things without the grace of God. We're in over our heads. But if we say, Lord, I don't understand this, but by your grace, I know you do. By your grace, you can help me to, to leave alone the reasons for it, commit it to you, trust you, rest in you. God's grace is sufficient. I've seen too much of it in people I've pastored who have gone through awfully deep water and survived, and more than survived, triumphed. There is grace for us if we fulfill those conditions. His grace is sufficient. Let's bow our heads. And I think we'll just close with prayer. Dan, if you'll dismiss us.